Hello, dear listeners. It's your MC Caitlin here with my usual pre-show content warning. This episode is, once again, rather gory and also involves scenes of mind control. Listen at your own risk. elevator dings at dusk. We open on a single wide shot of the deserted basement of the Rose Garden. Pipes running along the walls. Lights not quite illuminating the corners. The elevator doors open, letting fluorescent light spill across the hall. A shadow blocks that light as an oversized wolf snout peeks out and inhales. The rest of the lupine face slowly struggles into view with a red smile growing on it. Victor hunches and twists as he pulls himself through the elevator doors, scraping the ceiling with his arched back. His clothes are stretched and torn around his enormous form, and a smear of blood marks his passing. He turns away from the camera and throws one end of a blood-stained scarf over his shoulder. He ambles towards the red exit sign. The wolf moon rises, he says, like the first part of a prayer, as he stalks into the night. And we're back. Today I want to go ahead and do our session opener moves. So, since we were just focusing on him, Victor, are you currently uh, patrolling your territory? No, 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 I'm not. On a miss, or if I am not actively attending to my territory. Things go south, and my troubles are fast and furious. Things are going on in the background at uh, Five Points. We might make a visit over there at some point. We'll see. And then the other move I want to resolve is the Vampire's Web. So currently, I've only got two people in my web, and of those... I would like to learn a secret about Jeremiah because the fact that he came to me uh, earlier today with a friend that is in trouble with a werewolf has made me slightly curious. So the way that works is that at the start of a session, I choose someone in my web and learn a secret about them that they would rather keep buried. Now that is entirely up to Jeremiah in this case. So what secret uh, have I unearthed? Jeremiah has an ongoing relationship with another member of the Arcane Network. Dinah Simmons. Good to know. Yeah, I guess Dinah's not been introduced to anybody else in the uh, cast yet, has she? Nope. Yeah, I mean, if that counts as something that Jeremiah would rather keep buried, that works for me. Yes. It's a bit of an open gossip secret in the Arcane Network, but I think that's about it, yeah. But then again, like, literally every relationship in the Arcane Network is an open gossip secret. That's true. But you gotta be—you gotta be in the in crowd to know these things. Yep, you have to—you have to be able to afford brunch to get in on the uh, sewing circle gossip. Oh, I can afford so many brunches. So, do one of you know what you want to do? 
Jeremiah will be getting his um what he refers to as his battle gear. He's got a gun and he's got stuff that he hopes will be able to help him like sneak around and like not get immediately eviscerated by whatever's there. So we get those couple of shots then of Jeremiah prepping himself. He's got his gun, he's got his bag, he's got all of his battle gear funness, which I'm sure is going to come into play later. And he turns south towards Warwick. Then part two, I need to call Dinah. The phone rings a few times. And just before you think it's going to go to voicemail, you hear the click of it picking up. Hello? Hey, Dinah. Hi, Jeremiah. What can I... I'm a little busy. Uh, I just want to say I grossly disrespected your privacy and your professional work ethic earlier. I'm sorry about that. I was an arrogant jerk. Um, if you're free later tonight, uh, there'll be a bottle of scotch over at Mike's, just over in Harbor Heights. Say around 9, 9 p.m. if you're free. Uh, if I'm not there, just, you know, check the newspapers, see if my body turns up. Roll to persuade an NPC. That's a partial success. Is it okay if I kind of leave the result of this one up in the air for now, then? Sure. There's a long pause. And then, uh, well, be safe, okay? Yeah. You too. Yeah, if uh, if I'm not there, I'm sure you'll find out, find out why at some point. And then there's a click. That's a little anonymous. Our camera pans over to Dinah as she hangs up her phone, throwing it onto her bed in her apartment, and turning to look at a um, fancy dress hanging on her closet door. And then we pan to Alistair. Alistair has somewhat of a lead that he would like to follow up on. He learned about Jonathan having a relationship of sorts with the vampire Finn. And Alistair would like to get in contact with one of his vampiric associates to find out about what they might know about that. All right. Who are you hitting up? There is a vampire by the name of Troy that Alistair knows, runs a bodega nearby to Alistair's house, and Alistair wants to pop in and see if he might know anything. All right, roll to hit the streets with night. That's a three. Okay, so you are in five points right now, correct? Yes. So do you walk to the bodega or do you drive there? Oh, yeah, Alistair's going to walk. So, Alistair, you are walking to this little bodega in Five Points that Troy is almost always the cashier of at this time of night. And you are surprised when you get there to find that it's not Troy who is running the cash register tonight. Uh, instead, it is a, another young man. He is rather slim with a pale face, dark hair that's a bit of a mess and falling into his eyes. And you can feel him like 
watching you while pretending to not be when you go into the store. Do I recognize this guy by any chance? Roll to put a name to a face with night. That's a four. No, you have never seen this guy before, especially not in five points. And you've never heard of Troy hiring anyone who's not his partner to help run the store. I think Alistair's going to kind of mosey around the store trying to look like he didn't come in specifically to talk to Troy. And then eventually he slowly makes his way up to the counter and just says, I'm sorry to be so rude, but uh, Troy is usually working this time of night. Is everything all right with him? As you ask that, the boy at the register just kind of smiles slightly, but it's one of those smiles that doesn't quite reach his eyes. And he says, Mr. Asinov has um, been taken away by other business tonight and requested that I watch the store in his stead. All right, that's very concerning, but I suppose I'll have to check in with him later. Did he happen to leave word of when he might be returning? This guy continues just to keep kind of that like blank smile, not reaching his eyes on his face and just says, um, I'm sorry, I'm not quite sure. And I'm assuming he didn't leave any specifics about where he might be? Uh, not that I can share with just anyone. All right. Uh, thank you for your information. Is there anything by any chance that I would recognize as a personal object belonging to Troy nearby? Like a name tag or like a work apron or something I could grab hold of without being too conspicuous. Everything that there is is firmly behind the counter. Of course it is. Yeah, I think Alistair's He's going to poke around for a little bit longer, pretend like he's looking through, like, merchandise, and then try to scope out to see if there's any way he could get a hold of something like that, because Troy not being here is incredibly suspicious to Alistair with everything that's been going on in the city lately. As you step away from the, like, counter to go presumably buy some snacks or beer or something, you notice out of the corner of your eye the cashier slide a phone out of his pocket and quickly type up a text message and send it off. And on that note, let's go see how things at the warehouse are going. So why don't we start with Silk here? Just to put a pin on the Alex eating someone. I think the camera is going to find Silk leaning on Alex's car texting. And I think we decided that Alex isn't trying to hide this. The camera's going to zoom in onto his phone and it just says Alex is having a light snack and send. You fairly quickly get a response back that is dot 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 snack question mark and like the glass of wine emoji next to it. Hey, uh, the deal had nothing, had no. Writers on it for responding to questions. That's fair. You do not have to respond. Do you have read receipts on? I feel like that's something Silk would have off. Okay. I do want to take a minute with this uh, now body that I have. 
I know we had established that I've kind of moved it somewhere that's not in direct sight, but I want to take a second to see if there's any identifying information on it, um, you know, wallet, ID, anything like that. And secondly, since this is a member of the brigade, I assume they have at least a sidearm. They had a um, crossbow because, you know, hunters, some hunters carry crossbows. As you do. And then they also had like a nine millimeter Glock. Cool. And yeah, you definitely find her ID on her. Her name is Cynthia Berg. The address is located in Hollis Crossroads. So Alex is going to kind of shove that in one pocket, uh, stick the Glock in another, and bring the crossbow back over to Silk. And I'm just going to like hold that up towards him. Question. Are you just here to observe, or are you going to help in this? Well, that depends entirely on what's going on. Cassandra DeWitt has been kidnapped by a vampire and is being held by, I suspect, at this point, the Brigade. I intend to fix that. Oh, well, now things are getting interesting. I'd really rather not Cass, uh... She's a very lovely token to have on the board, and I would prefer her to continue being in play. Um, but... And Silk pushes away the crossbow as if it were gross and yucky. I, 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 I really don't need that. Fair enough. And I think at that point, uh, we're just going to hang out for a minute for Ilyana because she is a relatively decent part of this plan. All right. So the sun is going down and Ilyana definitely makes it there like right before nightfall. So I think, Victor, you probably make it there before Ileana and Jeremiah and Ileana and Jeremiah get there at around the same time. I do want to send a text to Anastasia, though, if I know that Cass is in here. What does the text say that you send her? Just going to be, uh, are you still dating Cass? Uh, well, she's about to be eaten by vampires and possibly hunters. It's a bit still confusing, but I thought you should know. Very, like, shortly after you send that text, your phone starts ringing. Um, yes. Silk? Yes, that is my name. Mostly. <sighs> Who else is there? Who else is coming? Um, well, there's myself. Um, Alex is here as well. And your cousin should be arriving shortly. And I'm not sure who else will be arriving soon. Okay, so so Victor's going to be there. Yes, I did uh, manage to have him promise to help. Great. I'm not going to be able to make it. Oh, well, I'll make sure to let Cass know. She doesn't just hang up on you. You hear the phone get thrown. You hear the crash, and then the line disconnects. <sighs> the Margaret's are so rude. Aren't they just? Victor moves in through an alley, putting one of his big paws on a dumpster before moving out into the light of everything. Hello, Victor. Alex. Silk. And I think Alex just kind of looks over at Silk uh, and then looks back over at Victor. Good of you to join us. It's always good to have friends around. Are we waiting for someone else? Or are we going in now? Your mother is on her way. So, are we waiting? Yes. I didn't know that you were going to be here, and I did ask for her assistance, and two wolves are better than one. Sure. 
Sounds about right. He sits down by the dumpster and like his head is still taller than the dumpster. I'm good to wait. Silk pulls out like a deck of cards and just starts dealing to Victor while we wait. I don't have the dexterity, Silk. Well, that's fine. You can just show me your cards. Sure. (laughs) We get a little bit of a time lapse. With where you all are situated, none of the hunter guards have noticed you yet because you're kind of far enough back from the warehouse to not draw suspicion yet. And around the same time, both Jeremiah and Ileana's cars pull up. Ileana has driven her own car, but it is still an unmarked police car. Victor stands up. Jeremiah will uh, climb out of a car, pull out his gun, load it, and make sure he's around in the chamber as he approaches the group. And I think that's, that's the one that actually kind of puzzles a little bit. What? Oh, right. Brigade. Sanchez. Right, that makes sense. Of course it does. Ileana steps out of her car and originally, like, is head down focused on going to talk to Alex because she's real irritated she's here. But Victor, she sees you, even as, like, she's crossing over to Alex, like, looks at you, and, and you get the disapproving mom look. You've seen it many times. Hey, Mom. Hi, Victor. All right, Alex, what exactly do you need me here for? Ah, yes. So, and I kind of look around. Is anyone else expecting anyone else to show up? I don't want to repeat myself. Well, I was hoping for Anastasia, but she seems she couldn't make it tonight. Uh, I guess she isn't interested in saving her own girlfriend. What? Oh, okay. Wait, she's dating Cass? Oh, were you not aware? No. We can discuss this I set this them after. up quite a bit ago. Um, no. They, they've we... been uh, quite an item. Shut up! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll tell you all the details later. Here's what's going to happen. Earlier today, a vampire named Zhu threatened me in a car park. I beat him to within an inch of his life, and then he fled after threatening Cassandra. He has now turned her over to the brigade. I do not like the fact that they are working together. We also know the Brigade is in league with at least several demons. This is a problem, but for now, Cassandra is in that warehouse. So here's what's going to happen. Someone's going to be a decoy, and someone's going to get her out. I don't care who is who. And I look over at the werewolves. You have historically not been great at keeping people alive. So I suspect you will want to be loud. Send the wolves first to absorb a fire. I can sneak in very easy enough. Victor starts walking towards the warehouse. Right. Your mom grabs your shoulder. What? Alex hasn't finished the plan yet. Can you give me five minutes? Speaking of, I appreciate your vigor, but if we're going to get in unseen, you will have to give us a bare minimum time to set up. Fine. And I kind of look over at Jeremiah. You said that you are capable of getting in unseen. Yeah, it's been a few years since I've had practice, but, you know, muscle memory rarely leaves you. And at that point, I'm going to reach into one pocket and take out a set of keys and hand them over towards Jeremiah. You'll take them. Get Cass. Take her to my shop upstairs to the office. Stay there with her until I return. Can you do that? Especially if demons show up. Definitely keep her in the place where demons are, because that's what he wants. In my office, Victor. 
I think as this conversation was taking place was when the sun finally dipped behind the uh, horizon and Ileana had just kind of like subtly slipped into the shadow as that was going on. She's not big about transforming in front of a bunch of people. Personally, it's not a thing. Ileana, like her son, becomes, I mean, she's a very built woman to begin with. And when she's in werewolf form, is actually even slightly taller than Victor. Around her kind of like snout has gone gray. But there's like a red staining down from her mouth, down her chest. Just from years of murdering people in werewolf form. She has a tail too, of course. And has just generally become like larger and beefier and furrier. Werewolf fur is surprisingly soft. And just in case anyone here happens to be an amateur demonologist, just to let you know that the demons involved appear to be of uh, Niberius's clutch, just if he shows up, let me handle him. Fair. Where do you intend to be in all this? Actually, you know what? Hands up. Who can see him in the dark? Alex, definitely. I assume two werewolves. Silk. Ileana raises her hand. Victor crosses his arms. What is the point of this? I still have a power box not too far away. I'll hit that first, knock out the lights to the building, and then go in. All right. Didn't you say that there was a vampire in there? Vampires and demons, yes. But there's probably a lot more humans, and unless someone has outfitted all of them with night vision goggles, I don't think we need to worry. But I have something that helps me with that, so I'll pick them off as I see them. I'd have a backup generator. Well, we'll hope they don't have a backup generator then, Victor. And if they do have a backup generator, I'll knock that out too. Good lad. Silk, question. Yes? Are you coming in the front with us, or going in the back with Jeremiah? Hmm. I'm assuming that the front gang is going to go in guns a-blazing. Um, if that's the case, I'll go into the back. Fair. I understand you're likely here with motives of your own, but I do want to make at least one thing relatively clear. Cassandra is priority number one, at least for me. If you have to abandon me to get her out, by all means do so. Alex, I'm quite surprised. You still have feelings in that heart of yours. And I think I just kind of scowl at Silk. Do not presume to know what is inside me. Victor, as this is going on, Ileana kind of pulls you to the side. The pack has been having their own issues with the brigade. Normally I would, you know, be giving you the please don't murder everyone's speech right now, but, well, consider license to kill. You got it. Uh, just one thing, um, there will be a Fatima Sanchez in there. Uh, I would prefer that she's at least in mostly one piece. Just try not to eat her. Ileana just looks you dead in the eye and goes, no promises. Well, like I said, mostly in one piece. If I have to follow you around with a doggy bag, I will. All right. So as Team Warehouse splits into Team Front Door, Team Back Door, we pan up to the sky and back to the little bodega in Five Points, where, Alistair, you hear the jingle of the door opening. I casually look over towards the door all nonchalant-like. You see three people walk in. They're all fairly nicely dressed, all fairly pale for their ethnicities, and don't seem to be here to shop. Do I recognize any of these people? 
I will give you one general put a name to a face roll with night. Ah, uh, that's a big fat one. As you are trying to kind of like move around and get a better glance at who these people are, you missed the cashier sliding away from his post at the register and are surprised to find both of your arms getting grabbed and pulled behind you. Would it be possible for me to channel up my uh, arcane magic? Probably. Go ahead and try. Hey, I succeeded for once. That's an 11. So you just hold for your magic now, right? I don't want to use any of it just yet, but I would like to have it in case things go where I feel like they're going. Alistair sort of looks over his shoulder at whoever is grabbing his arms and says, You could at least buy me dinner first. You get that out only to get like a gag shoved into your mouth because he's just not about this. Oh, for her. As you say that, one of the other vampires grabs your hair and yanks you back as the other two start patting you down. As they are patting me down, would it be possible for me to, uh, unleash with my magic as a weapon using my elementalism spell? Sure, go for it. So that's still rolling with blood, which isn't great, but that's a nine. So on a hit, you inflict harm as established and choose one. Okay, so I would like to use my uh, two harm close area option to sort of get the group of them. I would like to inflict terrible harm to try to knock them unconscious so I can escape. And then on a seven to nine, you need to choose one from below as well. They inflict harm on you or you find yourself in a bad spot. I'll say they inflict harm on me. What type of element are you using? I think Alistair's just going classic cast fireball on the floor underneath him. You get the group of them all pretty good, but the one who had just grabbed your hair pulls a good chunk of your hair and a little bit of scalp with him. Fuck. I would like you to take one harm for that. You do have an opening to try to escape. Your attacks seem to have varying levels of effect. The two who were patting you down both are like down and out, but the cashier and the guy who was pulling your hair look like they'll be able to get back up pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and try to just book it out of the uh, bodega. Are my hands free or did they like handcuff me? Zip tied. Okay. So should I roll to escape? Yes, roll to escape a situation. That's a five. Going out the back door or the front door? Which one am I closer to? The front door, for sure. Okay, then yeah, I'm going to try to go through the front. You run out through the front door and run right into somebody who seems to be prepared for the fact that someone was going to be running out of that door. And they grab both of your shoulders and look you in the eye. They have pure black eyes. And as you make eye contact with them, you feel a weird sense of calm and wooziness come over you. Like you have to follow their will. And they shove you into the back of a car. I think as I'm shoved in, I just sort of like, not really fall over, but just like slump off to the side in the seat. Would this be preventing me from using one of my spells? 
Not necessarily, no. I would like to use my uh, foresight, spend one hold to have a short vision about the upcoming scene, and take plus one forward when acting on it. With my hands zip-tied behind my back, I just want to run my finger along the ring like I've done before. So you get that weird, misty feel and vision, and it moves forward through time like really quickly, like the car driving somewhere. You can tell that you're going into downtown before somebody puts like a hood over your head. And then you are pulled into the back room of what you can tell by the loud pounding music is a club. And as the hood is pulled off your head, you see Troy for a moment and you see someone shoot him in the head right in front of you. I will ask my question of the day, apparently. Do I recognize who's shooting him? You cannot get a good look at who it is. All that you see is rather ornate clothing that has a bit of a Chinese flair to it. And we're going to go back to Team Warehouse. Let's go with Jeremiah and Silk first, because you all need to, you're going to cut the power first before anybody moves in, right? Yes. So I assume that's probably a mislead, distract, or trick. I would agree with that, yes. Yeah, that is a partial success. So on a hit, they're fooled, at least for a moment. On a seven to nine, you get to pick two. We will confuse them for some time and create an opportunity. What does that look like as the two of you go and cut the power? I do want to mention that Silk has uh, used his glamours to change the color of his suit. So he is now in a spiffy black Loki suit from the, the MCU movies. Just so he stands out a little less, but not for anything mechanical. Jeremiah will force open the box, cut the power, then rip out some of the wires. So they can't easily turn it back on again. So we get that shot of Jeremiah doing that. And then back out front of the warehouse where Team Front Door have set up, you all see the power cut and you hear some confused yells inside. Cool. I know Alex at least is planning to go straight in the front door. Victor is going to take a running jump and try and get on the top of this building. Ileana is going to stick with Alex because he is the one who called her here and ruined her plans this evening legitimately just going to kick in the door and the first person that i see is getting a crossbow to the face all right you kick in the door there are actually quite a few brigade goons down here just you know imagine like five hunter extras in a movie and there you go you have your five brigade goons roll to unleash an attack that is an eight i am going to inflict terrible harm uh, on this poor poor hunter and I think I am fine with them inflicting harm on me at this point. So you kick the door open. Moonlight goes cascading in and we get that shot of Ileana and Alex silhouetted by the moonlight, just casting massive shadows into this room. We get like a nice cool slow motion shot of Alex shooting the crossbow and the arrow just going straight through the forehead of one of the goons, who just immediately crumples. Ileana goes and, like, lunges towards one of the other ones. But, Alex, one of the other goons is able to get a shot off on you and 
it burns a little bit as the slug embeds itself in your shoulder. The familiar burn of holy damage. (gasps) Luckily, I'm not any more susceptible to that than anyone else right now, so. Yes, right now you're not, but thematically. Thematically, it hurts. You're only going to take one harm, but you do get a nice slug in your shoulder. I'm going to throw the crossbow off, draw the sword, and just go charge for the guns. Victor, you are up on the roof. Victor uh, jumps up to the roof and then uh, immediately just crashes down through the skylights, moving to attack the first thing he sees. Victor, you are a bit further back in the warehouse when you come crashing down. You land on some shelving, but there's a pallet there that like you're able to land on. And you hear somebody beneath you go, what's that? And immediately just lunge on that person and go in for a chomp or a slash. Roll to unleash. That is a 12. I'm just going to inflict terrible harm. Tell me how you uh, murder this poor hunter. Victor moves in at their voice, grabs them, just palms their entire head, and uh, sticks his other hand over their shoulders and just rips their head right off. We get a nice shot. As the head comes off, we see the blood splatter against the wall, but then it is quiet. There's no one else immediately in this area, Victor. Victor is going to smell the air and try and find Fatima Sanchez. Roll to let it out, unless you have like any special werewolf moves here. I do, but I have to mark corruption to use it, so I'm not gonna. You're not gonna? All right. Oh, should I? I'm a werewolf. I should. Fatima Sanchez is uh, the target of my hunt, and I'm going to roll Bloodhound. When you hunt someone, roll with blood. On a hit, you know exactly where to find them and can follow their scent until you do. All right, roll a Bloodhound. That is an 11. On a 10 plus, I take plus one forward against them. You are able to smell Fatima's location much further back in the warehouse. But you have a lock on her trail. I just loudly start knocking things over and rushing in that direction. And as we get that shot, we pan back over to Jeremiah and Silk, who can kind of start to hear the chaos going down. You heard some gunfire, at least. All right, let's get in. Well, lead the way. What's your approach here? What are you trying to do? Do what Alex says. Find Cass. Presumably not up towards the front where all the guys have guns and... Now a vampire and two werewolves be hanging out. Uh, so we're going to start searching around in the back of the warehouse. And you're trying to avoid being seen, right? Yes. I would like one of you to roll to keep your cool. That is an eight. Partial success. On a seven to nine, the MC will tell you what it's going to cost you. If it was just you, this would go fine because you're a fae and you really actually don't need to even walk half the time. Let's be honest. But you got this little mortal dude with you, and uh, Titiana wants a, a little bit of payback for helping you out here to spread that fey grace and silence. You will owe her a debt. Fine. I, I can take that. My first debt to my liege. While Jeremiah is all looking all sneaky sneaky, Silk is just walking perfectly normally. I imagine there there will be points where there are people that see Jeremiah, but their eyes just kind of gloss over him because I'm using a bit of my fey magic to keep him 
more hidden than he should be. All right. And then what do you want to roll to investigate a place of power? That seems like a good way to go about seeing what's going on here. Roll with mortality. Yes. 11. You can tell, even though you haven't been, I mean, you've been at some warehouses because, hey, magic item trade, sometimes you end up in warehouses. This one's been modified. Um, It's not like your standard warehouse. You can tell that some changes have been made just because of the office structure. You can tell that by like how people are moving about and where people are coming from. There is definitely lower levels to this warehouse below the ground. Interesting. On a 10 plus, you can ask the MC one question about the schemes and the politics of the faction in question. Why would the brigade need a heavily modified warehouse? The brigade is currently increasing their power. Fatima has been recruiting hunters not only from St. Fleur, but from surrounding cities. And she needs to be able to outfit them. And, um, hey, the police kind of don't pay a ton of attention to Warwick because it's a really shitty place to live. And she was able to get the warehouse for real cheap and then also find some cheap labor to make all the modifications so that she can have an armory here. Back up front with Ileana, a vampire, and some goons. Some guy just shot me. Yeah, some guy just shot you. So I've uh, thrown aside the crossbow and I whipped the sword out and I'm just very calmly sort of stalking towards him. Not that the soldier knew. Someone had blundered. And I'm going to stab him up the gut. All right, stab him up the gut. Roll to unleash. Nah, it's a four. I guess I did blunder. As you start to move in to attack this guy, you realize that more people are swarming out from the further back of the warehouse. And Ileana is doing her best to keep them off of you. But that also means that Ileana is getting severely overwhelmed right now. I think the way Alex would play that is he's going to see this and just look over at her. It's fine. Get out of here. She like grits her teeth for a minute and howls. But starts to like back up slowly. You can tell she's not actually going to run, but she needs to find a different approach and is not going to be able to break through this way. There's just too many mooks coming out. And that's fine. And whether this is uh, a self-destructive kind of thing or not, Alex is going to step in, in the way of that to give her time to retreat or at least to, you know, recircle. I'd like you to take one more harm as like you take those blows. You're holding your own because they're humans and you're a vampire. You have the dexterity that Ileana doesn't in her form, uh, which makes it like easier for you to manage. And Victor, you hear that howl. Oh, what does that howl mean? It sounds like pain more than anything. Okay. I'm going to mark a point of corruption and use my new corruption move. One with the beast. Mark corruption to add two qualities to the transformation until the end of the session. I'm going to add plus one armor and armor piercing attacks. What does that look like on the screen when you do it? So I took this corruption move after I ate demon infused man. So Victor's eyes shift from like a yellow to have a sheen of red to them. He broadens, his fur thickens, his hide toughens, and his claws 
leave behind wisps of black smoke. And do you head back towards the front where you know Ileana and Alex are, or are you going to head deeper into the warehouse? Yeah, I'm going to go back up the people. All right. And as we get that shot of Victor running back towards the front, we pan back to Alistair. Alistair, have you done anything or have you tried to do anything to fight whoever's gotten you in this car? Or are you just have you just accepted your lot in life? I'm assuming they have gotten in and started driving the car. Yes. Okay. Have they said anything or done anything, or has it been pretty silent and standard? Nope. They got in. They turned on the radio. It's playing some classical. It's our public radio of St. Fleur. Okay. I'm trying to figure out if I can do anything here. Like, he wants to try to, like, kick out the window, but he knows that's going to end up terribly. I think he's going along for the ride until he can get into a more advantageous position. The ride goes pretty quietly. You can see there's somebody in the passenger seat who has like a gun in their hand that's just casually like sitting on the um, console between the driver's seat and the passenger seat. But, you know, besides that, it's silent, uneventful ride. While we are driving over, I know I'm gagged. Is there any way that I could try to roll to figure someone out? Go for it. That's a four. As you're like struggling, like trying to work around the gag, you don't realize that you get all the way to the back door of that club that you saw in your vision. And as they stop, the one in the passenger seat, who was the one who like threw you into the car in the first place, turns to you and says, so are you going to walk yourself in or am I going to have to assist you? And he comes around and opens the door for you because they, of course, had the child locks on. That's fair. Alistair will climb out of the car and try to take a look around to see if he recognizes where he's at. Roll to investigate a place of power with night. That's a three. The... Guy who talked to you, like, grabs you by the elbow, even though, yes, you are walking yourself in. He's not forcing you to walk. You can tell that if you try to make a move, he will be able to move faster than you. And you can't really tell where you are. You're definitely downtown. The buildings are tall, but you don't recognize anything about this alleyway. You don't go to the clubs. You don't have a social life. Nope. And the guy doesn't even knock on the door. As the two of you approach that back door, somebody opens it from the inside. As you step into this back room, it is very plush. Like everything is in black leather, gold and red. There's like the lingering scent of incense in this room. And sitting in the middle of the room on, like, basically thrown chair, you see somebody who looks clearly important. They're of Asian descent uh, with really sharp features to their face. Their hair is in that kind of, like, side cut, flipped over style. They have thick gold eyeliner and just are very extravagantly dressed. 
not sitting in the chair properly, like legs draped over one side, arm with a cigarette hanging out over the other. Someone is standing there, just at a table. Someone is literally standing there with an ashtray for this person to tap their cigarette against. And you see Troy kneeling in front of this guy with a gun pressed against the base of his neck. And before you can even do anything, you see the person in the chair motion and you hear the gun fire. Fuck it. Let's make the worst decision possible. Let's use that elementalism again. I want to shock everybody around me that I possibly can. All right. Roll to unleash. Hey, hey, 12. So what does it look like as you kind of blast out these couple of vampires that are around you? And um, tell me, are you inflicting terrible harm or are you taking something? So I think we get a close up on Alistair's face as this happens. Like we hear the gunshot and I don't think we see that on the screen. Alistair's face drops in shock. And then there's like little sparks of lightning in his eyes. We cut back to his hands as they just glow with this crackling electricity. I don't think he even really knows what he's doing at the time. The energy just like balls up in his hands, shoots down at the ground very Thor-like, and then just like runs up the legs of whoever is nearby that he's going to be shocking. And since he is acting on instinct and just completely pissed off right now, I will go ahead and inflict terrible harm, please. A couple of the vampires around you fall. The one who is holding onto your arm doesn't. You hear him, like, go fuck as he, like, lets go of you. And the electricity, like, melts the plastic of the zip tie off of you. And you definitely have the attention of the person in the chair who has already motioned for other people to come clean up this mess. Ew, dead body, get it away. Alistair looks him just dead in the eyes and says, Who the fuck are you and what the fuck's going on here? They smile and like you can hear people kind of moving in around you as like Julian kind of reapproaches you to grab your elbow again. The person smiles and says, oh, well, I'm Finn, of course. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe to us on your preferred podcatcher and follow us on Twitter at St. Fleur Pod. If you want to support the creators who are bringing you this content, consider becoming a patron. You can find us on Patreon at the link in the episode description. Unable to be a patron but still want to support us? Consider leaving us a rating and review on your podcatcher so others can see how much you like what you're hearing. Shadows of St. Fleur is an Urban Shadows actual play podcast emceed and edited by Caitlin Cornell. You can find her on Twitter at SuperCaitlin1. Alistair, who even with a gag in his mouth doesn't know how to keep his silence, is voiced and played by Andy. You can find him on Twitter at AndyLion92. Alex, who should really attack before he speaks, is voiced and played by Jeremy. You can find him on Twitter at TayuFace. Silk, who has definitely not incurred Anastasia's never-ending wrath in the slightest, is voiced and played by Eric. You can find him on Twitter at PrimeFactorX01. Victor, who doesn't respect his werewolf mom enough to wait for her, is voiced and played by Evan. 
You can find him on Twitter at NyQuest underscore JE. And finally, Jeremiah, who is oddly familiar with the inner workings of warehouses, is voiced and played by Matthew. Urban Shadows is a Powered by the Apocalypse tabletop role-playing game written, designed, and developed by Andrew Medeiros and Mark Diaz-Truman. It is published by Magpie Games, who you can find at magpiegames.com or on Twitter at magpieofficial. The intro music used in this episode is Epic Unease by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at incompotech.com. The outro music used in this episode is Dark Carnival VL by Paratune. You can find their work at paratune.com. Farewell, dear listener. We'll see you next time you visit St. Fleur.